on today's episode of Gathering the Kings. Definitely have mentors to some degree. Sometimes yeah. a mentor can be somebody you've never even met, just people you listen to, you read everything they put out. And then other times it can be somebody who's one step ahead of you or even right there along with you. You are listening to Gathering the Kings with Chaz Wolf, featuring fellow seven, eight, and even nine-figure business owners who have real battle scars from business and life, but have prevailed as the king that they are designed to be. We welcome high-performing entrepreneurs to the stage in order to reveal the real of the real on what it takes to build a successful business today. We dissect the good and bad decisions they've made along the way that give a true and accurate picture of the journey of success and how you too can get there. Through this dialogue, you will learn the value of growing your network and surrounding yourself with power players and kings like today's guest. Grab your pen and notebook because we're about to dive in. All right, everybody. I'm Chaz Wolf. I'm back gathering the kings. I got Justin B-Rock. His Brock, what's up, man? You're at the king's table. Thanks for coming today. Really appreciate you. How you doing? Absolutely, man. Thank you so much for having me. Appreciate uh, taking taking the time to interview little old me. Yeah, man. <laughs> I, I love that perspective uh, of little old me. In fact, you're not quite little old me altogether, but that's my job today is to promote you. And um, I want folks to know what you've done. But before we jump into that story, tell us what kind of business that you're in. So I'm in the financial services niche, uh, which is a big niche, but we're, we, we, we whittle it down a little bit more. We're in the Medicare and health insurance focused space. Yeah. We break more out of that. We do life, we do annuity, we do the financial stuff, but sure. what we're known for is the Medicare and health side. And, you know, we've built uh, a business that started with the consumer, the health insurance consumer in mind and built actual brick and mortar uh, what I call hybrid offices where people work over the phone or in person, but not going to anyone's houses. All people come to them or yeah. uh, they're working over the phone. So about 70 to 80% over the phone, 20 to 30 coming in the office that kind of fluctuates, yeah. um, you know, focusing heavily in one kind of quadrant of a state um, is our, our, our goal, depending on the population of the area that can get more and more dialed in. Sure. Um, and we built those offices and we started documenting the journey years ago. Um, we ended up creating a lot of attention in the entrepreneur space uh, or, you know, specifically in the health insurance space where people were like, well, I want to replicate your success. And so now we've built yeah. a value ladder of um, services, events, and, um, you know, different things that can service that community yeah. uh, and and bring them to our team or, you know, ultimately they don't have to come join our team. They can uh, just follow along and, 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 and have their team go right along with us and servicing and growing that niche uh, and expanding out of that. So we're yeah. all out, you know, different verticals and integrating into different spaces, but uh, health insurance and Medicare uh, consumer and agent focus is really our business. That's, a, that's, that's, can the, that's pretty the, technical. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, it's funny when we first met, um, you told me about you had just gotten back from Medicare con, I think mm -hmm. is what you call it. Right. Mm -hmm. And so there's this conference that you guys host, you guys put it on yep. um, all about Medicare. Like that's the first time I'd ever heard of that. I mean, I'm not like oblivious to the healthcare space. I'm not in it either. So that's probably why, but that's kind of a big deal. Like it's your event. It, I mean, you're talking, you had tons of attendees. Like that's, that's a huge part of one of yeah. these services that you're saying that, that people can can come along with the ride for you guys. Yeah. So part of that value ladder is we wanted to have an event for 
just getting people together and getting the the energy. Like if you've been to a big conference or an event, I'm sure, and um, yeah. I'm sure many of your audience members have. Uh, nothing like the energy you get from that of getting a like-minded niche community all together and just kind of getting jazzed up, learning together, networking. Um, and it also is a great content opportunity for us, a uh, great opportunity to strengthen our relationships with the people that follow us online. But MedicareCon, is, um, it started as the Medicare Guru's Mastermind a couple of years ago. Um, we, we launched the idea or launched the official date of the first one was going to be, and I'm sure you've heard the story before, and because <laughs> I've heard it, April of 2020. Oh yes, yes, yes. Uh-huh. So I'm, I remember I'm you and in, actually the NCAA tournament, I think, right? Yeah, yeah like exactly. <laughs> so, so I'm down in uh, I'm down in in Destin uh, on like the last trip. So like the beginning of March or middle of March, spring our spring break here, and you know this is like the ground zero time of COVID of like. Uh, you, know, and, you know, I'm still the biggest skeptic in the world at this point. I'm like, this is just going to go away like Ebola AIDS and all the other crap that comes out, you know, not to be sure. insensitive, but I was just thinking, yeah. like, this is just, just going to go away just like all this other stuff does. And we don't have to postpone uh, Medic- the Medicare Guru's Mastermind, which later became Medicare Con. And um, I ended up being wrong. We did have to postpone <laughs> it um, because... Because the hotel shut down. Said, no, thanks. <laughs> Posted in. And so I'm like, well, that's a factor outside of my control. So we moved it, but ended up having the first one, like really right when people started coming back to events and had yeah. like the show up rate for our attendees was unparalleled. Like, I think it was yeah. over a hundred percent. I think we were sneaking in without tickets. Oh, wow. Uh, but uh, we, it was a, meant to be a smaller intimate group and it ended up being 200 plus people at the first one. And so this last one was close to 400 uh, yeah. people. And then next year in Vegas will be uh, 750 plus. So um, very crazy that Medicare has a conference. Uh, and then another little funny story about Medicare con, when we first started talking to signs guys and um, we have a graphics team that we've kind of built around Medicare con and some of our other stuff, but Sure. We outsourced the sign creation and install, okay. right? Yeah. And we yeah. started talking to them about it. Like, oh, yeah. And they started giving us ideas about things. And they thought, because we didn't do a good job explaining on the front end, that this was for Medicare beneficiaries. So oh. they're like coming up with ideas that will appeal to like 70-year-olds. And I was like, no, yeah. no, no. It's the agents. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. Different target. Completely. Different target. They're a little more edgy. A little edgier. Not a little hard. younger. Not the edgiest, but uh, definitely more edgy than 70-year-olds. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And and not in need of the service. <laughs> yeah, not in not need, yet, at least. Not not yet. They need to know how to service, not not how to get the service. That's right. You know, holding an event is huge uh, in itself, um, let alone one during that time. And then and then to have the growth that you guys have is just incredible. My, my question for you, before we jump into some of the like X's and O's of like how you built the business and some of that stuff, at this level, for all intents and purposes, I, I say this every every show, but the audience sees you as, man, you're, you've done something that hardly anybody else has. You've got a business that does at least seven figures and above and less than 9% of businesses do that. And so like, why do you keep pushing? Like for all intents and purposes, you've made it. You have this thing. You've got a, you've got an incredible podcast room. I can see you there. You've got a team. You've got an event. Like, why do you still push hard every day? Because I follow you on social media now. I know you are. Yeah. So here's what it, to me, comes down to. There's only two people that get into, that break through to seven figures and, and, uh, and actually 
the goal this year is to hit eight figures in revenue and then gross revenue. Yeah. Um, we're either going to hit it or we're going to fall very like just slightly short. But uh, when, when you look at that growth pattern, there's, there's a couple of answers to that. First, I think the person that hits seven figures is not the type of person that slows down because hitting seven figures help hitting six figures on your own in business can be one of the harder points. Hundred um, Then you look back and you're like, wow, it's not really that hard, but it's not that hard because now you've gained the knowledge. But gaining right. information that makes six figures and seven figures and eight, you know, and beyond easy yeah. is, is yeah. something that it takes a certain type of person to break through. And so I think answer one is the type of person that gets to point X, wherever that is, isn't the type of person that was designed to slow down. And sometimes they think they are because they don't know. They think, I want this. When they get right. that, they think that's not, that's not all it's cracked. It's good. It's not like it's bad. It's not, right. but it's not all it's cracked up to be. Now, where I want to be, I think is why and then yeah. Z, you know, so you're yeah, moving from that channel. I also think on the back end of it is um, for me, you find different gratification at different points from things that you didn't even realize you would. So for me, like the yeah. most recent um, and probably highest level of gratification in business I ever had was at the end of this Medicare con where I had, uh, 27 W2 staff members there with me and it's over and we're popping champagne and, and hanging out and celebrating. And there's people in the room, like literally crying because they're so happy about what we as a team are able to accomplish. And so yeah. those, that level of um, like this ethereal feeling you get is yeah. you can't get it from just money. You can't get it from you know, you get it from building something, right. throwing together a team and seeing other people's lives change. So that's been the most gratifying, but it's, it's always different points of gratification. It's, yeah, it's, it's breaking free in the beginning from like, holy crap, as an individual, I don't think that I would ever have to go back to making below 500,000 a year because I know how to make that just by myself. And then it's right you know, growing a team and seeing individuals within that team prosper for different reasons. It's not always yeah. about money for them. Sometimes it's about being part of something bigger than what they had at, you know, Walmart or, or I think it's Walmart. They've done great things, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, um, being yeah. part of, uh, just kind of the, the drag or the, the societal business that just feels like a dead end. Like I show up totally. there because I have to, to make ends meet, making yeah. them feel like they're part of the progress of what you're throwing together. That's been very gratifying. Yeah, I love both of those angles, man. I, I hear you. Like the, the two points are that you yourself, the person who's going to break through, is a it maybe not, not like naturally a certain way. Maybe they are, but but they've at least picked up on certain things along the way where they more and more and more, and not because they're not satisfied or not um, grateful, but because along the way, I love that second point of just that there's different gratification points along the way, which has a lot to do with in the influence past you, especially when seven figures and above, it's like, it's all about the, now your team and your community and and how can you service those folks? And it's just like the weight of the kingdom, as opposed to just the, the individual warrior in the battle, more so focused on self. You know what I mean? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. It's just something that people can't do. There's a scene in uh, wall street with um, it's the second one, uh, Shia LaBeouf and um, oh, I can't remember the guy that played uh, Thanos, can't remember his name. But he's I'm, like, I'm, I'm trying really hard myself. You know, you know, Josh Brolin, that's his name. So Josh Brolin plays this 
billionaire, like billion, 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 billionaire, right? Um, in Wall Street. And, you know, Wall Street, the whole angle of the movies is kind of to make money look evil right. and cool all at the same time. Yeah, um, yeah. But uh, in, in, the, in the movie, Shia LaBeouf asks him how much he wants. He, he says, he says, what's your number? Like what, what number do you get to where you, he said, I find most people have a number and Josh Brolin or this guy on wall street says more like his numbers more and they make it evil. Like, yeah. Oh, he just wants more, you know, he wants to get more and more and more. Um, but what I find in business owners the, at super high levels, it's not an evil want of more. There is a want of more, but it's more growth. There's a point where like what I can buy is as much as like, like I'm kind of at this point now where I, I don't really pay myself any more out of the business because I'm pushing it all into the business. I've set myself up with a comfortable amount that I'm giving very comfortable, but then I'm putting it all in the business because there's this big gap between I can go on any vacation I want and I can uh, live in the house I want and my kids can do extracurriculars and we're living a top 1% lifestyle. Um, but then there's this huge gap between that and um, you know, a yacht and a private plane. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so everything short of that at this point I have, and I'm not saying that I ever even want that, but what's the point of even taking more money out of my business where I can just grow the business and to then, get to so, that potential. To to, so I do have put those things out there. I look at them, yeah. I'll look at bigger houses. I do that. I always did. Sure. Even early on, I drive some of the houses that I used to drive by and look at and like, if I could just make it to that house, right. You yeah. know, and then now I drive by this house. It's like, I can't believe I thought that was a big house. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know what I used to say? I used to say, what do all these people do? <laughs> I, I, mean, I, I, I still <laughs> say that because I'm still like, I'll, I mean, I'm living in Tupelo, which is not a, it's not as small as people think, but it's also not as, not a big place. Right? Yeah. And I'll yeah. be driving through neighborhoods and see these just, I mean, here, even in Tupelo, hundreds of neighborhoods, big, nice houses and beautiful yes. neighborhoods. And I am like, I'm like, I know a lot of them are doctors and I know sure. a lot of them are lawyers, but how the hell many doctors and lawyers, yeah. do have? what do some of these people do? What are these businesses? And the, yeah. the answer really is all kinds of crap. I mean, all kinds, there's, there's money everywhere. Money. People are having vape shops are doing yeah. well. People, there are mechanic shops doing well. Um, one yeah. of the guys in my neighborhood now that does really well owns a couple of Napa auto parts stores. I don't even yeah. know how the Napa model makes money, but he seems to be doing great. So, <laughs> you know, a quick, quick, uh, quick story on that. I had um, I bought my first franchise. I'm 24, 25 years old, and I'm doing some deliveries. Right, I'm still very much in. I'm a local one store, you know, owner, and I'm doing some deliveries. And here in Kansas City, we've got some pretty wealthy uh, areas um, on the Kansas side, and it's like I remember going the same thing, going like. <laughs> What do all these people do? I don't understand. Like I'm a business owner. I'm young. I'm ambitious. Like I'm, I'm getting it. Like in comparison, I'm doing pretty good, but like, I've never played that game of like, I feel good compared. I'm always yeah. looking for more. And so I remember driving through not just a neighborhood, but like whole sections of town going, holy moly, where do, what are these people? Like, who are these people? What do they do? Yeah. It's crazy money everywhere. And, and then when I moved to Miami and worked for Grant Cardone for a period of time, it was like, just unscrew the cap. It comes off. There's you know, there's Rolls Royce, there's $40 million condos. That, I mean, it's just like money everywhere. And it, and it just puts it in perspective. I've, I've been going, tie this all going back. to yeah. Miami. And um, I told, I, I never, I had passed through like the airport a couple of times, stayed in like an overnight, you know, but never really gotten into it. And um, this past year, because we threw a conference, I go to GrowthCon 
Right. I started getting into that ecosystem. I buy his TBT. I've bought, been to several events. I've done the Cardone Ventures. I've spent quite a bit of money with him since GrowthCon. If you'd asked me four months ago, would I have done that? I do think I'm uniquely positioned to benefit from it because there's information, but it's also for me like research of a value ladder. It's replication. Yeah. Uh, it's replication. So there's some there's some degree, like not not from a ripping it off, but from an inspiration oh, yeah. to like, I mean, these yeah. people have clearly learned the value ladder to the max. And so, but anyway, going down to Miami, quite I made four trips down there this year. And um there's so much it's money another, in that area. It's another level. Like, the only yeah. other place I've been, I, I was in Qatar um, uh, over near like the Doha and uh, in the United Arab Emirates um, back when I went to Iraq in 2008, went on R&R over there. That place had money like that. Like the, yeah. the cheapest, the poor people were driving Range Rovers. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, it was a different world. Um, different. But Miami's just. Yeah, different level. I remember telling a couple of my buddies here that that do pretty well to do really well that we were living in a little town home down there, um, paying like five grand a month. And he just about, you know, just sold himself, you know, thinking, bro, you could have almost any house you wanted to in Kansas city. What are you talking about? Like, yeah, man, it's just, it is a whole nother perspective. So let's jump into your story here a little bit. Um, I want to know, um, was this the first business or if not, tell us how you got kind of just started in business in general, just like the beginning of your entrepreneurial journey. So I never wanted to be in business. Um, didn't interesting. I meet guys that are 20, 21, 22, and they're like, I'm going to be in business. I'm going to do this. And, and now at my level, like I see the mistakes ahead of them and I, I feel for them. And I'm like, you know, <laughs> come on, little baby bird. Let me show you how, what yeah. not to do. But yeah. at the same time, I'm envious that they have that aspiration at that age. Right. Um, I wasn't super old when I got into business. I was 26. Um, but at 18, I went into the Marine Corps and I did almost eight years in the Marine Corps. I had uh, started a family there, had a wife, had kids, um, heavily considered staying in the Marine Corps for 20 to 30 years and retiring. Um, But, you know, I had kids. I was in, I I did my first tours um, on the East Coast and the Middle East. And then my last four years where my daughter was born in Tokyo, we were in mainland Japan. So we were on the island with most of the military was in a smaller base called Iwakuni. And, um, had some great experiences, but while I was over there, um, they would deploy me for two months away, two months back, and they're training detachments. So I'd go to Guam, I'd go to Okinawa, I'd go to South Korea, I'd go to Thailand. Got to go to a lot of places. But every yeah. time I'd go, my wife and son, when I first got there, my son's three months old, it had come back and he would he forgot who I was, right? Oh. Um, so when you have a kid like that and they forget who you are. Oh, that, um, yeah. It's terrible. It's rough on you, right? And so right around the time I was deciding whether I was going to reenlist again, my daughter's born. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, you know, uh, and, I, and I knew that here's what could have happened. I can go to a base where they're going to deploy me six to 12 months away, six to 12 months back, or I can go somewhere where it's two months away, two months back. There's really not many posts where they're not sending you somewhere, somewhere. for different periods of time. Yeah. And so I just decided, you know what, I'm just not in that point in my life anymore. I want to I want to be able to, you know, be around my kids. So when I get out, I decided I I had a, uh, I had a relative who was in the insurance industry. I'd seen them go from carpet salesman at Sears to, um, to middle-class. I didn't, and I'm not saying I saw them get rich Mm. or I saw them be wildly successful or build a big business, but as an independent agent on their own pin, that's what we say on your, on my own pin as an insurance agent. um, I saw them go out 
and make a decent life for themselves, right? Yeah. And not have to work for anybody. And that sounded nice. But my goal was to replace my military income. What happened was I got into a business that really your own individual work ethic was directly correlated or tied to the amount of profit that you would make in the, in, in your success. Right. And I had never been in that and I became yeah. addicted. So yeah. when you really tie those two things together, I was sleeping at my house every night and with my kids, but I became so addicted to business and work. It was still like, I wasn't getting as much time because starting uh-huh. a business is hard, totally. um, yep. but I enjoyed it immensely. Uh, I enjoyed every step of it. I enjoyed the marketing side a lot. So I started focusing heavily on the marketing. I'm a big proponent of if you're not heavily involved in your own marketing and learning your marketing, you don't really have a business. Right. Um, Yep. You know, because it's a huge part of it. Sales is great. um, You know, and sales and marketing is the core of a business. Uh, But without marketing, a salesperson without marketing is just, is, I mean, you know, you're, you can only do so much, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and there's different levels of all of that. But uh, I started staying up, you know, to two, three in the morning, researching different marketing tactics, learning Facebook marketing back 2014 before a lot of people were doing it. Yeah. Had some great success, 2014, 2015, hit some home runs, started building and then started hiring and then realized pretty quickly that people were a huge resource that, you know, it's easy to be cheap and say, oh, I can do that myself. I don't want to hire people. Right. Um, but uh, and even people that are not with me anymore, uh, I don't regret hiring them because of where we've gotten to based on, you know, yeah. trading on, on other people's time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You're creating a, a system that, um, whether the individual piece of the system is, isn't there or not, the system still operates. Um, the, yeah. the, the seat is still there. Um, okay. So this is a perfect segue in this journey here that you've kind of just described what would you say was a good decision that you made that just like really catapulted um, the business? Was it to do with this marketing stuff that you're talking about or was it something different maybe? I would say um, early on diving into Facebook marketing when everybody was telling me that seniors weren't on Facebook and I was, I was pushing Facebook ads, uh, which if you, if I told you these ads now, you'd be like, that, don't, that won't work. And they won't work now because I'm the guy that made them not work. Because marketers ruin everything, and that's a a, a good core principle. And um, the early marketing we were doing to seniors on Facebook worked very well. If I realized how like uncannily profitable it was at the time, uh, I would have ten xed it, done more, spent (laughs) more, been more. Yes, I would. I would have really uh, spent more on that and and scaled it out more. Um, But I didn't know what I didn't know, and so I just thought it would continue forever. Um, and I was, I was doing pretty well on those, uh, didn't know a lot about building sales teams at the time. Did, I didn't know what I didn't know. Right. Yeah, um, yeah. but I did know something and I, I did layer on a lot of residual based products in Medicare and health insurance. Um, the cool thing is if you come into it the first couple of years, not saying I got to get rich right away, or I got to make a hundred thousand right away. Right. These products pay residual commissions for ever, basically, as long as those people are alive. And yeah. so if you're, uh, as long as they stay with you. So that's if true. I put them on the right plan, that's best for them and they like it, they're probably not going to change. And then I'm going right. to keep, you know, residual yeah. commissions coming. So things that I wrote my first day in the business, my first day where I actually sold something, I yeah. still have on the books that I'm collecting, you know, and it might now be 
five, 10 bucks a month, 15 bucks a month, 20 bucks a month. But when you layer that up, yep. so that Facebook success I had, trying it set me up for revenue that is able to be reinvested in more things. And now as marketing, I believe has gotten more expensive, I have compounded revenue over time that I can use to test things yep. where other people getting into the market without that revenue would really struggle to do that. So that is a huge win, you know, yeah, uh, and then I've made some huge wins in hires that I made that I didn't even realize that would be as big as they were, you know, yeah. my number two that's with me now, I hired him to be an agent. Um, and now he's basically running all of our technology and marketing and uh, makes four times as much money as his entire life goal was, you know, working within our business, which is really yeah. cool to be That's able awesome. to do for somebody. So, and yeah, we'll make more and more. So exactly. I think that that even tips uh, just a scratch on the um, first point that you made of uh, eventually taking care of the, you know, the other people around you. And I've felt that same thing. Like when you have people on your team that you can help get to another level in their life financially, or just leveling up um, leadership wise, all those little key components that we can help other people in. But when you do that for somebody like on your team, it is like super impactful. And it's another one of those gratification points that yep. you mentioned. So um, that's Absolutely. huge. Okay, let's flip the coin. What about a bad decision? Something that you did that was just, ugh, and we need to write it down and stay far, far away. Yeah. So um, this my, the first thing that comes to mind is, uh, is a technical, uh, is a little bit technical. Um, we've done advertising on broadcast television. And uh, I abandoned my core principle of high frequency ads on individual programs. So like, I'm a big believer in advertising. If somebody tells you that, you know, okay, on the, on channel four, there's 150,000 viewers a day. I'm going to say, okay, let me figure out where I think the people that I want to hit are watching and how many are watching that program. And then I'm going right. to concentrate as much of my dollars towards that program or one or two programs. Well, I segued in to another market, a bigger metro market, uh, and was going to test it. And I spent 240000 last year testing it. But I let somebody talk me into shotgun approaching it and, and abandoning my high-frequency principle altogether. Uh-huh. Another big one, and this is going to be a macroeconomic concept, I feel like our macro um, sales hiring cultural concept. If you if you're building a team and you begin to build it, whether it's one person at a time you're, or you're hiring a bunch of people, um, there's two way, and this is more of a sales team concept, but if you're building a sales team, there's two books out there that I read early on. And the first one I read, I wish I'd have read the other one first, but I read the first one was, uh, uh, I think it's Chet Holmes, um, the yeah. ultimate sales machine. Okay. Yeah. So his book um, talks about building a sales team and, and, and hiring people with, Egos so big they're hard to check. That's me. I might be taking that quote out of context to some degree, but it, it, he was talking about these, you know, ultra sales like, you know, yeah, beasts, high D personality people. Yep. Yep. And, and I've hired a couple of those um, early on because of that concept. Like, I have these people with crazy personalities yeah. that are, you know, intense. Yes, um, intense. That's a good word. Yeah. They can be good salespeople, but what happens is, they don't work for the team. They're trying to make the team and the business work for them. Yeah. Benefit yeah. them. And so there's another book by Patrick Lencioni. I always recommend this. Patrick Lencioni has one called the ultimate team player. Yeah. And he talks give us, about give hiring. us the three components. 
the the smart, hungry, and humble. He wants, he wants you to hire smart, hungry, and humble people who can work within a team. And so yep. it may be that you as a business owner may be that extreme person, but that doesn't mean you need to hire a bunch of people <laughs> that are extreme because then you're going right. to be a, a bull wrangler, you know, um, yeah. <laughs> rather yeah. than having a bunch of people that they don't have. To, you got to remember that the, the person on the team doesn't have to outwork you, doesn't have to be better than you, doesn't have to be, um, yep. uh, or as good as you even. And I, I say that in, you know, doesn't even make sense because sometimes we think what we think is good or what we think we need. We find out from somebody else being a different person and it being valuable that I needed something else. Yeah. Don't necessarily need a hundred Justin Brock's, you know, maybe I need, um, you know, I need a John and a Joe and a a Grace and a Mary. I need these different people that are different uh, collection of personalities that um, can bring different things to the table. Yeah. that's I love the, that perspective of the of the personality piece. I just want to just highlight for the listener here, um, especially especially in the sales world, because you're right. Um, if you're looking for you, it's just probably not going to work. First off, it's going to be it's really difficult to find you. Yeah. <laughs> it's if really you difficult start to a business. Yeah, you, you is probably somewhere else starting another business. <laughs> Literally, that's the sentence I I told myself after a couple of years of trying to find myself. I go, wait a second, I'm out doing my thing. How am I going to find me? So I think that that's super applicable for all seats on the bus. The second point is that you just made, though, is that there are different seats on the bus that require different skill sets, personalities, you know, tendencies, um, characteristics and all those things. And so I think if you what you're saying to the listener right now is that as a business, you're trying to scale out. First off, you have to be able to build a team. Mm-hmm. Got to grow your sales. So you probably need a salesperson if you don't have one or two or three. And you don't have to go hire the guy that's just a bull. And then the second piece is that there's other seats on the bus that maybe you've identified, maybe you haven't, but that Justin is telling you right now that it doesn't have to be someone that's just like you, but you need to look at each individual seat and go, okay, what characteristics or what personality traits or what uh, talents are best for this specific role? And then go look for that person. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that, that's... That's exactly right. And, um, you know, if you hadn't got into, like, I used to think a lot of things that I don't think anymore. One, one recently than, you know, the past several months, I, I used to think that people focus too much on mindset training. And then I realized, oh, okay, to get to where I am, I had the right mindset for it. Yeah. Um, yep. I agree. It's twofold there. So like now I'm realizing to get to where I need to go, my mindset has to change because I've pretty much maxed out what my default mindset is. Mm-hmm. But when you're bringing on somebody else, their default mindset may be much more limited in view and scope than yours is. And so you're going to have to adjust uh, or help yeah. them to bring them along to, to increase yeah. what their, you know, perspective is. Um, some people can yeah. be way too skeptical and I'm, I was a skeptic, but I was a skeptic that believed in myself. Sure. Yep close all the other doors because I'm like, I'm going to run through it. And there was something, uh, I can't even remember who said it, but he said, you know, some of you guys are going to build impressive businesses by running through every wall in front of you. Yeah. And then one day you're going to hit walls that you, your head just doesn't go through anymore. Like yeah. you can't just run through every wall. You got to put the right people in, in front of you. You got to put the right process. You got to have the right mindset. You got to have so many different things. And yeah. uh, as I got into the the value ladder of different trainings out there. Some of them were focusing so much on mindset 
And for years, I was just like, why are they doing that? You know, and I know it's so, it sells to people too. And so that was my skeptical side coming up through like they're selling them what they want. Um, yeah. But then there's a point where I'm like, you know, they broke through. So I started believing, okay, I think you can, you know, change your language and, um, and increase the scope of what you think is possible and manifest things. And so I, I broke through. And so the cool thing is if you're a skeptic, so then this is the double-edged sword of the mindset jargon. There's some people that are absolute um, junkies on mindset training. Yep. And they never do anything with it. But if you right. can take a guy, and this is who I was, a doer, a, run, a wall runner through her. Yeah, exactly. And then you can get him to finally buy into some of the other stuff. Yeah. After he's achieved stuff, like I feel like I'm in this, like I have like this superpower now where I'm like, Oh shit. I got both sides. Like yes. I I have what I need to put one foot in front of the other. And then I have the mindset to begin to like cultivate the right collective yeah. mindset of my team to run to help me build doors and walk through them rather than run through the damn wall. Yeah, I think what you just said, we could just we could stop the whole thing right now and just mic drop it on that because and not that we will, but um, everything that you just said is so applicable to the guy who's listening right now or the gal, six-figure mark. And that's what they're doing. They're just been boom, 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 just, uh, you know, running through doors over and over. And and they feel frustrated and they can't keep good people. And, you know, they're running around and, and during the day, they're all over the place. And then at night, they're trying to pick up all the admin work. And it's just like super draining because of what you just said. And so at some point, that wall that uh, the other person was talking about, I think you and I both know exactly what that is. And eventually everybody who's listening will hit it too, where you just literally go, this can't happen anymore. And so you almost like force yourself into the mindset of at least solving the problem. I think that's where it starts is I can't take this anymore. I'm going to kill myself running through all these doors. So let me take a look at whether it's investing, whether it's hiring, whether it's you need help, whether it's you know mentorship or coaching or a friend or like whatever, <laughs> something has to change. So then therefore your mindset has to change. And then the rest of it, to your point, then it has to flow after that. It can't just be this. I'm a better thinker. Now it's gotta be, I'm a better thinker. And then I'm going to use that superpower in my already action taker spirit to then go put it to use. If that's what I'm hearing you say. Yeah, absolutely. It's you you have to have, I want to, you know, craft my personal professional financial goals. I want to have my grandiose vision. I want to manifest this long-term, you know, vision, but I want to have the skill set to put one foot in front of the other and to yeah. understand that it's micro steps that push me to that. Um, yeah. And if you're like what you're saying too, if you're hitting walls and you're staying up late at night and you're doing admin and all that, there's a point, and I wish everybody knew the perfect time. Like there's no perfect time, but there's a point where if you can hire someone you know, to, to take on some of these other things. Like it, th- th- here's the thing about hiring people. I would say the first, depending on what type of business you have, um, you know, mine, I would say probably is, a. We, you know, if you, if you look at the metric revenue per employee, you've heard of right. revenue per employee, but uh, that's the, the Brandon Dawson talks about it as the guardrail for, for business growth. And I love the metric because uh, some businesses have a high revenue per employee, model. Some, some are harder. Their, their revenue per employee is going to be lower. Like if you're a framing company for houses, you're going to have to hire a lot of lower income, low producing 
uh, employees to sit there and bang up studs and house, right? And it's going right. to uh, be a higher volume uh, employees. But uh, but for like a group like what we have and what I think most businesses and entrepreneurs initially get into, what most of them do, when you can hire someone to start doing certain tasks, if you have one or two tasks and you think, okay, I don't have enough for this guy to do, get them there, get her there, um, get them start doing one, two, three tasks. You're going right. to find different things for them to do and pile on them. It's not to get you to be able to sleep better at night. Right. So that that time that you were going to spend doing admin work, now you can yeah. spend doing something more useful of the business owner's time. Yeah. And then eventually create more revenue, hire the next person. The more people I hire, the more people I feel like I can use. Yeah. Um, and you get better. And it's not like, it's, and that's not me saying I have like some amazing onboarding process. That's something we're consistently working on. I'm trying to chart out and have ebb and flow to hiring to plug and play people. But there's so many different roles in what we have right now that really every time I hire somebody, they're doing something different uh, and they start to overlap, but then they're all training one another. And then when you hire them, you're like, now that I have this person, like we have two videographers, right? Well, the first videographer is spending time. He's setting stuff up like this for me. He's, he's doing all my long form content, the podcast segments, things like that. And then on the back end, I hire a second videographer. I have him doing all my shorts. Yeah. So he's putting out all the reels. He's putting out all the LinkedIn's, all the TikToks, all that kind of stuff. I have three graphic designers. And that's just on our marketing side. When you look at agents and administrative employees, servicing clients, administrative employees, servicing our agent force, um, <laughs> there's just no like shortage of things to do once yeah. you have and cultivate the talent and the people willing to do a good job. At it. I think the piece there that you said so easy um, that I really want the listener to, to pay attention to and for sure write down is that as you do those things, right, hire and give those things away. As you repeat that process over and over, what it does for you as the owner is not to necessarily sleep or go to the beach and have a four-hour work week, right? But what it does is it allows you to work on just those few things that allow the business to scale that much faster. But specifically, it allows for you know you to be able to you, you don't even know that, like all these things that are on your plate until you start having the people to give them away. And then of course, then some of your people need people. And yeah. so I think it's just a, it's like a downward slope, you know, of um, what you don't know, what you don't know until you start like getting into it and building the team. But as you do that, you would think untrained is, man, this is going to cost me a lot of money if I'm adding all these people, but it frees up the whole process to then grow and scale from the top in. And so it, it actually is a domino effect with, with revenue. Yeah, it does. And you can begin to, like, if I'm offloading in in the beginning, I'm offloading individual tasks uh, that I am spending time on that are not, you know, income producing activities, IPAs. And, and I can begin to focus my time. And this is, you just said it too. My time gets increasingly spent on the highest value concepts. In the beginning, I'm not giving my time back to me or my family. Uh, ultimately, that's what I want to do. But, right. but my goal is to give uh, like 98% of that time back years down the road, rather than trying to give four hours back now by hiring somebody, that's not an adequate use of hiring somebody because you'll, you'll lose money doing that. You offload tasks so that I can spend my entire time, the same amount of time, if not more than I was before, but on higher value items, talking to the people right. that are going to increase revenue, um, working on the business in a way that nobody else can be trained to, or at least not for a long time. But then right. like you just said, that ladder becomes now 
I have somebody who's the head of my contracting department, and then I'm adding two people into that contracting department to try to split tasks where one of them's working on reporting and the other one's working on um, smaller accounts by the main core person that's now working on all the bigger accounts as we grow. Um, it's creating like many structures within your structure to silo off work. Like even yeah. we're talking to videographer and you get the second videographer. Well, before what was happening, the first videographer, I'm telling, okay, you got to do reels and you got to do this. And you got to do this and you got to do this. Yeah. And then after a while, I'm like, I get it. Like it takes so long to edit this song from video. How in the world is he going to do the reels and everything? So I need right. the second one. So the yep. things that you want to do require more people. And then I think yeah. about somebody else trying to do like what you're doing with a podcast and trying to start a business at the same time with a content machine and trying to build, you know, like the things that we've built. Yeah. I have an entire team doing that. Like right. how is 22 year old Joe Blow coming out of college going to compete with the amount of content and the quality of content that I can put out at this point. And a big part, like even you know, like you have businesses that are running efficiently without you being completely bogged down in them. So now you right. have immense time to focus on the things that you enjoy, which are probably content production, you know, look, you know, working yeah. on the business, not within the business. And so you get to enjoy your time too. So it's that gratification ladder as well, like spending yeah. my time doing what I enjoy the most. And when I enjoy it, it doesn't tire me out as much. So I can give way more. Totally. Than I can if I'm spending my time doing things that I don't enjoy. Yeah. And it's usually more valuable too, because you're probably the only one that can do it or, or you're better at, at that level. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's good stuff, man. Um, I, I think that um, <laughs> if, uh, if somebody's tuning in today, um, they should probably listen to this one a couple of times. I, I want to switch over to the speed round, but before I do just real quick, do you have some sort of a process or discipline that you take things through in order to make a good decision now that you've been through so much good and bad. I heard in an Elon Musk interview, they, somebody asked him, uh, what is the number, you know, and I pay attention to these guys. Like, you know, I listen to them. It, they, they've clearly done amazing things. And I don't like <laughs> yeah. everything Elon does, but I do, I do think he's a There's super a impressive dude and I like most of what he does, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Anyway, yeah. He, he, uh, he said, like, I think he said, the question was like, what's the most important thing that you could tell people that work for you or something to help your you know, business? And uh, I can't remember exactly how it was phrased, but his answer uh, to the question was, it's extremely important for people that work for him to know and for him to create an environment where they're not afraid to tell him when they disagree or tell him you know, like give him advice or have like in, input because it's really yeah. easy in a business to create an echo chamber of, oh yeah, Justin. Yeah, of course, Justin. Oh, good job, Justin. We really like you. We're behind you. You know, right. uh, meanwhile, they're going, this is never going to work. This is stupid. Exactly. What's going on? Right. Um, if you don't have, if you, if you do everything, you know, and, and this is hard because I'm a pretty approachable boss and I still have people that are, seem to be, terrified yeah. of me like if i ask one of them to go to a one-on-one -on -one lunch some of them are just like you know Why should i be worried i don't know yeah <laughs> and i'm like yeah I'm, I'm really a normal dude like you I, did spend eight years in the military i mean come on yeah, yeah. <laughs> i guess i guess i'm a little intense sometimes but anyway like so the system the process for me is thankfully throughout i have i have uh we've been slinking right around, i think we're 28 now uh w2 staff members 
several thousand downline private contractor workers and relationships, but like on my mm. team that I'm directly responsible for their income is about 28. But at the top of that, I have people that I think we've cultivated that are honest enough with me to where when I'm trying to make decisions, I'm throwing yeah. it out there to them, you yeah. know? Um, and they'll tell you, I'm a, I'm an idea factory. Like, yeah. You know, and so I'm, I'm, I'm sometimes change things really quickly and I'm trying to work on it too, because I want people to take when I have an idea serious, not yep. well, that's this week's idea, you know? Yeah. But I think that's my process is, you know, now I've built myself into where I have a couple of people that are, they have their own roles, but I have, I have three at the top in kind of different, you know, one's more operational, one's more design, one's more technology and, you know, detail oriented with it. And he's got probably the biggest vision of the overall uh, business. But when sure. I share them, I like to share ideas I have with them individually, not in a group setting, because I don't want them to echo each other's. Yeah. Thoughts, yeah. Which yeah. does happen where they'll kind of think up and echo. And I don't think that they all necessarily feel that way. They'll follow one of the other ones. Yeah. Right. Cause it sounds, cause it sounds right. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's huge, man. I mean, I think that uh, everybody listening would, would uh, aspire to, to be at that level at one point. I think that you've given us plenty of other things before that along the journey of how you, how you did it before you had that luxury. But, but now, I mean, what, a, what an incredible place um, or process to have um, be able to bounce things off of. I think that there's other ways that you can do that too, even before you get to that place of, you know, having that many staff members and, and um, that type of a thing. So the principle stays the same is, have a couple of key people that are close by that, that can be honest with you that, um, that you can run things by, but not necessarily be waved, you know, constantly back and forth, but just get, you know, real direct feedback. And to, to that point, before you have it, uh, definitely have mentors to some degree. Sometimes a mentor can be somebody you've never even met, just people you listen to, you read everything they put out. And then other times it can be somebody who's one step ahead of, or even right there along with you. That's a big one. In our industry, one of the the top um, direct-to-consumer shops out there is ran by a lady named Danielle Kunkel Roberts. I interviewed her at MedicareCon, and uh, she talked about early on when she would win these, you know, kind of like chairman's club convention trips, and she would meet other people that were right where she was before Mm -hmm. she was at the very top, right? And she made most of her peers became her confidants where because there's nobody else going through the level of stuff she was yeah that that she could talk to and so they would talk to one another and share they were competitors too yeah like these are competitors but they just decided nobody knows what the hell i'm talking about so i have to be friends with my competitors because they're the only people that get what we're going through and the, the marketplace is huge um you know and then they're all in different cities and they're working virtually you know uh, all over the country. So yeah. like if you have a local business where maybe your competitor actually is your competitor and you're like stealing business from the yeah. vice versa, <laughs> maybe find somebody that's your peer level that's in a different city that's okay. not uh, that's not competing with you and create yeah. that. And there's and now we're so fortunate. There's so many Facebook groups or totally. there's um, options everywhere. Yeah, there's so many there's so many influencers and some people will say all oh, that influencer Man, if they're out there creating a community in your niche, like yep. they're helping your your like you don't even have to follow. You can join their that community to find other people at your level and build peer groups where you're just like accountability partners. And totally. um, and if you have an idea or if you have a system or you're about to make a decision, bounce it off. Anytime I've ever fired somebody, that's a shitty decision to have to make. I've yep. I've done it several times now, and I can't stand it. Um, but 
in the process, I've asked plenty of people that were peer group partners of mine as we right. were growing what I should do. Yeah, hundred percent, and so many easy ways to um, to to find those um, opportunities depending upon what business that you're in or where what level that you're at. I think there's lots of ways to be able to associate um, the value that you can get from those types of uh, plays for sure. Um, okay, so real quick, I got two speed round questions for you. Number one is what book would you recommend that a six-figure owner or a six-figure business owner read trying to get to the seven-figure mark? A big one that I always recommend and I recommended earlier was uh, Patrick Lencioni's The Ultimate Team Player. As you begin to build a team, I think it is the book for team building. The first part of it is very narrative written, so it's easy to get into. And then it gets into informative and uh, never met the guy, uh, but he, he seems like he'd be a really cool guy to hang yeah. out with <laughs> Patrick Lencioni yeah. is the ultimate team player. Pretty much anything he puts out is, is, yeah. is well-written. Um, I have to throw another one out there though. I mean, it's a big one for me. Think what you want about uh, old Grant Cardone and you work for him. So I've seen, you've yeah. seen it, the good, the bad and the ugly. Oh, sure. But the 10 X rule. Yeah. Game changer. is a good book, dude. I mean, yeah. I, I did I never thought I'd buy anything for that guy, but I listened to that audio book. And for me, I need a kick in the nuts. Like yeah. every now and then just we says, all do man up like come and that book does that for me actually be obsessed or be average as well both of those they're very similar they just for me they give me like if i'm feeling like i'm not coming to my true potential i'm not you know putting energy into it i need i can throw on those for 10 or 15 minutes and i'm like okay wake up you know yep time to go yeah i feel the same way about both of those and and you're right it's about you know constantly being challenged to go to the next level in fact one thing that i got from those that i'll just kind of piggyback off just for a half second is permission, permission to be crazy, permission to be intense, permission to be what we've talked about, like that, the desire for more, the desire, like when you look around your, your natural circle, you're probably the only one, you know? And so for me, it was like, I knew I wasn't alone, you know, <laughs> so I'm it was, a, it was yeah. a be obsessed with be average nation. The 10 X nation was like, okay, these are my people, you know? So no, that's huge. And, and, uh, and just to that exact point, um, you know, recently on Facebook, I put up this long post where I was, I was charting out and in the beginning of it was a little bit of peacocking for a purpose because I don't think people should be ashamed of things that they've accomplished. And so what right. I was, I was talking, I was detailing I'm this weekend, I'm leaving with my wife. We're dropping our kids off at a three week summer camp. That's a 10, 11, 10, 11, $12,000 summer camp for them to go to while we go up to Northeast to Nantucket to New York. And, and I'm talking about staying in the highest end places you can. I'm talking yeah. about a 50, $60,000 a month worth of travel. Yeah. And, um, and I'm like, you know, but at the same time, I'm the guy that got a hundred dollar marriage. I, I went to a courthouse at 19 years old, got married, yeah. didn't go on a honeymoon, you know, right. drug my wife all over the world. Like I earned, I've, I've drugged through the dregs and the trenches to get where yeah. I'm at. And I shouldn't be like, so many people are like worried. Like, I don't want people to know, like they'll, you know, well, fuck, screw that. Those people right. should aspire to do that because it's possible yeah. for anybody who puts one foot in front of the other and believes they can do it and build something great. And in the process, you'll create prosperity for others, most yeah. likely. Yeah. So it shouldn't be demonized. And um, and you're right. The 10X rule and be obsessed or be average are kind of the Bibles for giving you permission to kick ass. Yeah, 100%. All right, last question. 
if you lost it all, B Rock, what would you do, man? I lost it all. I've always thought of like the the uh, if I woke up tomorrow and know everything I know now. Yeah, start at had, zero with what everything you know. Yeah. Sometimes okay, so just and I know these are speed round questions, but it invokes <laughs> thought for me. And so, do you ever think like I really love my life? But do you ever think like? And I know a lot of guys think this way. Zombie apocalypse happens. And I get to go, you know, rob gun stores, get Jeep JL Wranglers with big tires and just going down zombies. Like in a way, that seems like fun. I, but in that theory, wild, in that wild scenario, West. I just lost it all, right? 100%. But my, my brain or my, pers- my personality is like the conquest was so much fun anyway. Yeah. Uh-huh. But I yeah. get to keep all the info that I have in my brain. Yeah. I think I'd do it bigger and faster and better. Yeah. Um, I don't even know if I'd use the same exact market because the, the information is so applicable to different verticals. Um, yep. I would probably go, I mean, health insurance and Medicare, I'm telling you, is a great opportunity for anybody that's looking for the first leg in to six figures. Yeah. It's a great opportunity and to expand on, it provides a levelized, you know, commission deal where like you could go do that for two, three, four years and then just kind of take the foot off the gas and then say, I want to do real estate investing. I want to do some of the cooler things that are out there. I want to open sure. a exotic car, used car lot, <laughs> something like that. If you want to yeah. do that, health insurance and Medicare can help pay the bills. Totally. And it's a great um, opportunity. So I might would start there too, but dude, I'd, I would pick a vertical and I would go banana sandwich Hard. into that, yeah. <laughs> that vertical. Yeah. I'd go crazy. And I mean, just like, uh, I'd go crazier faster because it still yeah. took me a while to understand what's possible. Totally. Yep. Start over. I'm going, you know, yeah, it's that mindset that you fought for so long. <laughs> yeah. And first thing I'm doing is, is, uh, say, is telling my wife like, Hey, we just lost it all, but I know this. Yeah. Are you ready for three years of eating shit as Gary V? Yep. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Cause that's exactly, that's what it would take. And after three years, I mean, dude, you'd, you'd be, you'd be back. Uh, yeah. Dude, you have given so much on this show. Um, I'm incredibly thankful for your well thought out answers. Um, you gave way more than um, than I bargained for, and so I want to know how can someone connect with you if, if they've resonated with you, they want to try to get into Medicare, like whatever the reason is that they're reaching out. How can they find you? Yeah, it would be an absolute honor to have any of your audience subscribe to us on YouTube at YouTube.com/slash Justin Brock. Perfect. Um, that's a platform that we value it's one of our smallest subscriber bases but the highest value because of the intention yeah. that people have when they go there and watch um the content long we, put form. Out. we do yep. put out some good long form content there um so youtube.com slash justin brock is today where i would send people that's awesome man i so appreciate that we uh i look forward to just continuing a relationship with you and um i've i've been challenged here today i know the listeners have so thank you for that and just giving up your time um we wish you absolutely nothing but the best Thanks, brother. Thanks for listening to Gathering the Kings. We hope you got a ton of value today and learned a thing or two about taking your business to seven figures and beyond. If you desire more and want a community around you to help you get there, I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com. That's gatheringthekings.com. And I want you to apply for our next Becoming a King 90-Day Intensive. We are extremely exclusive by nature as a group. What that means is that we're really wanting only the entrepreneurs who take their business and targets super serious to apply. So if that's you, you think you got what it takes to level up your business, I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com and apply. And we will see you on the other side.